The Sarah Lawrence Theater Program works, learns, and lives on the land of the Lenape, Muncie, and Wappinger peoples. We pay respect to the ancestors past, present, and future. The Performance Lab podcast is invested in the sharing of knowledge and cultivation of curiosity between makers. We invite guest artists to lead a workshop with the MFA candidates of Sarah Lawrence College. After which, we interview them. We ask questions tailored to their individual practice, delving deeper into the how and the why of creation. Inspiration is all around us. But how do we hone in on the subjects that drive us? They share with us their tips, tricks, and sources of inspiration. Reflect on past performances and projects and keep us up to date on what is next stay tuned for the performance lab podcast hello my name is chisom awachie and i'm a second year mfa candidate in theater at sarah lawrence college i'm joined by david newman and marcella murray they co-created the show distances smaller than this are not confirmed in 2020 and took it on tour in november of 2022 David Newman's work as a freelance choreographer, director, and performer includes a wide range of projects and disciplines. Since 1999, Newman has worked behind the scenes to craft plays, operas, films, and multidisciplinary performances. From avant-garde theater to blockbuster films, classic opera to new musicals, David's diverse experience has given him a unique ability to articulate ideas through performers' bodies. Whether playing one of Shakespeare's kings or a virus-infected zombie with an appetite for Will Smith, the performers Newman works with gain from his multi-layered approach. David coaches individuals, has moved dozens of people through city streets, staged 100 musical numbers, directed puppets, friends, and drag queens, organized multiple Greek choruses, and continues to find new ways for the human body to communicate. He has worked with stars from the ballet, film, and avant-garde worlds, as well as those never having stepped foot on a stage, learning valuable lessons from each. Newman has many years of teaching experience working at Juilliard, NYU, Princeton, and Yale, and is currently a tenured professor in the theater department at Sarah Lawrence College. He has received three Lucille Lortel Award nominations and one Fishhandler for his work on cabaret at Arena Stage. He is the artistic director of Advanced Beginner Group, a multidisciplinary performance company, which has been awarded three Bessie Awards. He is a 2019 Lucia Lortel Outer Critics Circle and Tony Award nominee, as well as the recipient of the 2019 Cheetah Rivera Award for Choreography for his work on the Broadway musical Town. Recent and upcoming projects include the musical Swept Away at Berkeley Rep and choreography and coaching for A Marriage Story starring Scarlett Johansson and Adam Driver. Marcella Murray is a New York-based theater artist from Augusta, Georgia. She is a playwright, performer, collaborator, puppeteer, and educator. Murray's work is heavily inspired by the observed ways in which people tend to segregate and reconnect. Her work tends to focus on themes of identity within a community and hopefully forward momentum in the face of trauma. Performances include Fire in the Head by Christopher Myers as part of FIAF's Crossing the Line Festival, The Slow Room, a piece directed by Amy Dorson at Performance Space New York, the work in progress, I Don't Want to Interrupt You Guys, created in collaboration with Leonie Bell and Udom John during Rap at Mabu Mines, New Money, created by Maria Kamia at Dixon Place, and Shoot, Don't Talk at St. Anne's Warehouse Puppet Lab, created by Andrew Murdoch. Along with David Newman, Murray recently co-created Distances Smaller Than This Are Not Confirmed, OB Special Citation for Creation and Performance, which opened at Abrams Art Center in January of 2020, and Primer for an Impossible Conversation, a digital theater piece which premiered in 2021 at MCA Chicago. 
Murray is currently one of four curators on the Object Movement Puppetry Residency and Festival. She's also a 2022 resident artist at La Mama Experimental Theatre Club. David and Marcella, good morning. Thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me. How are you both doing? Good. Thanks for having us. Doing well. Thank you. I'm really interested in learning about how the two of you met and how this Peace Distances came about. We met when I was a grad student at Sarah Lawrence. So that was 2015 through 2017. Excuse me. Um, We met David, uh, obviously teaches at Sarah Lawrence and taught our first year grad class, which was called CCP at that time. Um, and also grad lab. And so we met in that way, um, a student professor. Cool. Okay. So as you were, as you got the idea to, to begin this piece, which I understand is part of a trilogy, was that while you were in grad school or was it afterward? It started in some way when I was in grad school, um, David and I had started kind of just talking um, like my first year, we were just having a conversation about things happening on campus. I would stop by his office and we'd talk. And then second semester, I took an independent study with David where we were kind of talking about race and theater. As we were talking, the conversation from the first year kind of also bled into our independent study as would be expected. But at some point we started talking about like a hypothetical show. And then at some point it was like, well, maybe we should make a show. Maybe we should make something for Sarah Lawrence, but there really wasn't enough time to do that. Um, And so I graduated But in that time, David had gotten these really cool residencies and he reached out and asked if I was still interested in making a piece around our conversation. Um, And so almost a year I was in Georgia and then I came back to New York and we started uh, working on that piece, I think 2018. Uh, can you talk about your collaborators, who I also met when I was sitting in on rehearsals, and and how they joined the group? I think uh, I think Tay was next to join. Tay and I had had worked together for you know ten years plus. Um, uh, Tay is a performer, kind of co-creator and sound designer, and some video design as well. And in, in, in a piece I did prior to this and. Uh, and then other pieces before that as a sound designer. And um, um, I knew Tay would be great for us just as a, as kind of like a foil in a way or, or, or an accelerant in the process. And, and, um, and of course he's just, he's just brilliant, you know, his, his design. So Marcella, found the Charlie Rose interview with Octavia Butler. I remember seeing it even at the time because I was interested in Octavia Butler reading her work, but uh, it was amazing in the context of our conversation to like look at this and really pick this conversation apart. So then I think that that gave us like the, the container to begin the piece. We understood sort of what is the context? Oh, uh, white guy is interviewing 
the young black artist, you know, uh, and this is, this is the context of like showing the, the, the power dynamics in the room and then, you know, revealing all the microaggressions and all the racism inherent in, in Charlie Rose's questions, or at least, you know, you know, class and race, right. Mm-hmm. Pooing science fiction as a, as a genre. Um, so we knew we needed video and, uh, Udam, um, uh, uh, also was a grad student, uh, at Sarah Lawrence and a beautiful artist. And I thought well, that sounds great to, you know, I think we both thought what I thought you, maybe you brought Udam in Marcella. I don't remember. I think, I think it was like a, an agreement of like, we'd seen. Yeah. Cause I, I collaborate with Udam quite a lot in grad school and since we've, we've graduated. So that would, that probably would have been the first person in my mind of yeah. when I thought of video would have been Udom. Especially as a performer on stage, I think we felt like the video was on stage, like yeah. pretty clear for the audience to see. And so I knew of Udom as a really beautiful performer and collaborator and and video artists. At first, it was just the three of us on stage and Tay um, in residencies. And then at some point, it started to feel like we needed another person on stage. Um, probably someone who, like, within the conceit of a, a TV studio works in that environment, but is also Black and can, like, like is sort of a person who can further explain why I stay at this table with all that's going on. Like (laughs) some of the other dynamics that are going on behind the scenes that like make us as young artists stay uh, at certain tables. Uh, Julius was an undergrad when I was a grad student and from the very start, just a brilliant, beautiful person I don't know a person that doesn't feel that way about Julius (laughs) they just have they're just that undeniable um like mad talented and a really uh sly way of giving a like critique of like gentle but uh but funny um and also just brilliant everything that they have have to offer um, feels important and that you want to reflect on it. So um, when we were talking about adding someone else, Julius was kind of the name that everyone was like, well, what about Julius? Yeah, what about Julius? Yeah, Julius, Julius. (laughs) It was just kind of like that. Jay said, like, you better get Julius before he gets a TV show. Yeah. Yeah, well, it's just, yeah. it, it's going to happen. They're they're killing the drag scene right now. They perform yeah. Julie J and working hard, working hard, and they're amazing. I, I recommend that everyone goes and sees Julie J. I'm wondering, so Distances is part of a trilogy, yes? Yes, yes. we become that. I think when we first made Distances, we had this idea that because it was like sort of 50 minutes long when we were first showing, like doing residency showings, we were like, maybe it's a thing where our conversation continues over time and we just add to it. 
And then the pandemic happened and instead of touring, we were commissioned to make a digital piece. And that kind of became like a, a sort of record of us continuing the conversation during this big um, moment in, in human history or in our current history. Um, and so, and then we were commissioned to make another piece. It's become a trilogy unexpectedly, but I'm excited about that. Do you think it would be possible to view the pieces concurrently or like in rep with each other? Is that a potential plan that you might have once all pieces are complete? Hmm. I suppose so. Um, I certainly noticed different, uh, like a marked difference between um, the Marcella in Distances and the Marcella in Primer for an Impossible Conversation, even though it's titled as like the thing that you watch before watching Distances. Um, I do feel like that Marcella is more aware and more prepared to take up space and all of these things that are a part of my journey in this sort of conversation. Um, I feel like in a spaced out sense, uh, CPA is doing that. Um, They've aired Primer and we're going to do distances and they're the ones who commissioned the third piece. So we'll be doing it there. Um, so yeah, I think so. I think it would probably require some conversation around it about like how everything fits. I'd be curious to do that. I mean, I think that's something we haven't talked about really myself, but Mm -hmm. be interesting to, to talk to some of our producers in New York to see if they'd be interested in doing something like that, like Mm -hmm. some kind of producing it in, in, in rep at some point, who knows? Let's see how the third one comes out. (laughs) As far as your development process, like for this piece, how has it been similar to previous work that either of you have done either to either together or individually? Have you worked on other pieces outside of this? Well, outside of this trilogy now, Um, have you worked on other pieces together? Mm, We co-drama character show, but besides that, it's mostly been distances, our collaboration. Um, but we code. I, I basically assisted uh, dramaturg with David for um, Archie Burnett's show at uh, Jacob's Pillow, which was really exciting. You ended up doing the crucial work, which was being at the festival that I couldn't attend. That was so. I would say more than assist that you were. Yeah, you were a crucial David part. All, David got all the information. He was there for like a large chunk of it. So, you know. I'm, I'm I'm glad that I could be a part of it. I'll share that this is in some ways very similar to work I've done before and also very, very different because of the nature of the conversation and the content and my role in that conversation, um, which has been just nothing short of like life-changing and in a way to to both be in collaboration about, you know, what the theater piece is made of what it looks like and feels like and sounds like, but also not only my role as like creative artist, but also as a white man in a conversation with a younger African-American woman talking about race and how, how much that is um, 
how much that requires in terms of uh, the awareness of what I'm, what I'm doing, what I'm asking uh, as, as a creative artist and, and as Marcella's friend. And, um, you know, it's an ongoing uh, uh, learning process, but it's been, it's been incredible. And so going back to like, for instance, talking about Julius, it became very evident that the show, despite my desire for it to like reveal sort of white supremacy, even inherent in like more subtle versions of conversations. Um, and in that way, I thought, oh, well, I'm supporting Marcella. Um, in essence, it's still the white gaze from a white point of view. And no matter what I thought I was trying, I couldn't escape that because it's, I'm asking from a white person's point of view. And, and despite my desire to not do that, uh, I, we kept finding ourselves in that realm. And so having another black person on stage helps, helps shift that even a little bit so that there's, there's, you know, allyship in a, in another way, you know, in a way of experience, in a way of history, in a way. Um, so those types of things, right. It's, it, it's so, it's so connected. And, and I don't mean this in the sense of like, you know, I don't want to say the wrong thing, kind of, kind of nervousness or fragility around it, but in a, in a, do we, are we actually supporting what we want to do? Am I supporting Marcella in my, in my role and figuring out how that manifests in our conversations about the piece, in the piece, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so that, so that's a very different process for me and, 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 and really exciting. As far as maybe talkbacks and, and communications that you've had with audience members before, like what, what is it that you intended for the piece to do and how has that been different from uh, the folks who've seen it and have responded to it? I will say that so far we haven't had any truly contentious, like people willing to stand up and speak at the, at the talkbacks. Um, that might, that might have something to do with the, organizations and how uh, much effort they've put into, um, especially Abrams. I feel like they're very, mm -hmm. I mean, all of them, MCA Chicago and yeah. UW Madison and um, CPA, I've, they, they put work into figuring out how to make sure the people who, who get the mic in this time to speak are like, who actually want to be in a conversation and not disruptive. The reason why I wanted to do distances, my impulse is to show people that just because the conversation gets difficult doesn't mean it has to end. I think there's this thing about discussions around difficult social circumstances where if you can't solve it right away, then neither side feels there's a reason to keep talking or at least one side um, uh, feels that there's no reason to continue talking because we can't solve it. So that's that. Um, <laughs> and I feel like that's, that's not true and it's not helpful. And we end up having the same conversations over and over and over because no one's willing to go past what they've already done. Um, I shouldn't, like I, I'm always, I always feel very weird if I get a question that someone like Toni Morrison has already answered, you know, like 
how can I answer it better than her? Please tell me. I can't. And that her answer already exists in the world. And many people still want to ask me the same questions. Um, that's strange. And it points to people not having gone past that moment where Toni Morrison says something hard hitting and it's kind of embarrassing and it's kind of tense and the conversation didn't go further. Like they were chat, they felt chastised and, but they didn't know how to solve the problem. And so the conversation couldn't go past that. What I don't think I want to do with distances is provide an answer or like pretend that I'm like skilled in in like EDI work or like I, 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 I'm not that person. I participate in that work, but I, I don't facilitate that. I don't, I'm not a teacher in that realm. I teach theater. Um, so, uh, and, and I think we're on the same page with that, where it's like, we're not the people who are going to facilitate your difficult conversation or give you the answers. This is us trying and willing to share it and show it because we think it's, it benefits people to see that you can do this. It's difficult and uncomfortable, but you can do it and still come out caring about each other and, and, and growing from it. Um, something does come from the conversation, even if it isn't the answer or, you know, even if it isn't the end of racism, like it took, it took centuries to build the thing. I, you know, so yeah. Yeah. I, I think that's, that's my hope is that people just take it as a show of solidarity of you can do it. We're doing it. Yeah, it hurts. Yeah. <laughs> Keep going. If I could describe it that way, my 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 reasons for doing it, it's, it's almost the same. The, the 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 idea of continuing the conversation beyond the point of that initial discomfort, and especially on the white side of the conversation. Um, how do you stick in? Can you are are is one? Am I actually able to hear what's being said to me? Um, and then. Um, partly how this thing initiated too was there was something of value that we I think we both intuitively thought um, of, of making the scale of that conversation smaller that that two people over time could get to something maybe more meaningful maybe not the answer and maybe certainly not solving racism but understanding racism better the nuance, this, this, this subtly poisonous aspect of it that we're, we both carry in different ways, you know? And then I would say there's something about, I like about the, the, the proximity of a conversation and a collaboration. They're, for me, they're very, very close. And that if, if our conversation as two artists can grow into a collaboration to make some poetic you know, uh, um, manifestation of our conversation, um, that becomes the positive thing for me out of this, out of the painful parts of it, out of 
the the patterns that we can't, you know certainly I I can't seem to extract myself though the working on it uh, uh, constantly <laughs> um, and 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 those things which are which are deeply deeply frustrating um, over time become something that you can you can handle a little bit more and gain a little more perspective over and then even comment on and maybe even comedically like holy shit that's for me that's that's a that's a a pathway that that moves towards something positive something even hopeful um yeah so i think i think if there you know the intention is that there is something hopeful out of this without understanding that answer ahead of time right we never had a hypothesis that we were proving we're we, we're in a process that is ongoing i'm wondering what the piece has cost you is currently costing you and and how you're taking care of yourselves and each other and the rest of your collaborators through that i would say as a team on my part that conversation is always open and so the cost has lessened even in the editing of distances there were iterations where like in the last piece i talk about how much i've shared and like when we when I first wrote that, it was like I share less now was coming as like advice and an immediate lesson from other black folks who'd seen the piece and are like, hey, are you how are you doing? Because I I was sharing all of these like traumatic events that I uh racist events that I had experienced in my life. Um and back then, I didn't really check in with myself because I grew up in an environment where uh, if I was in a predominantly white environment, that was like you were expected. How are you going to get to know if like you don't share and share with everyone? Like it's not just you're sharing with a close friend. You're sh- like you are in a philosophy class. And if you're going to explain to someone why uh like forcing everyone to speak english in the u.s is like a racist thing to to assert you have to share life experiences and you're expected by your professors to use this to like like you're in every class not just philosophy like <laughs> biology all these different classes you're expected to use your your life experience to defend against really entrenched old pedigreed vaunted like thinkers people who are quoted in these books you're supposed to go against them and like you're basically like you it feels like fighting for your life um and there isn't really space to like check in or I mean I think when I was younger I was like this sucks but I didn't ever like go into myself and think how much does this suck and what does this hurt Mm -hmm. so when I came to distances I kind of came with that same like mode of operation I just happened to be in an environment where I was with a friend and um and the conversation as a friend like with with a friend is different than the one that you want to put on stage over and over every night because you're inviting others into the conversation i i'm 
I'm going to have a conversation with David on stage, but then we're going to open it to the room. And so then it's not just a conversation with friends. And so in that one way, there's like, there has, there had to be this shift of what do you want to share every night? What do you want to say every night? And mm-hmm. you do emotionally. Um, and so in the beginning, it was taking things that I hadn't, I didn't recognize um, or costing things that I didn't recognize. And now it's less that now it's like, I've learned a lot um, about what I can hold and what is my journey. And, and, and so I, I guess I'm, I'm in a new place. And so I'm still just learning about what it costs right now. It feels like um, it costs an older, more naive way of thinking. Like, I feel like I've mm. lost some sort of, like, oh, yeah, like, or at least in the, like, play, like, in, in the arena of the play. Like, with David, I, he's my friend, so I feel more space to share more things but when it comes to the making of a play I feel like oh there are things that you you have to guard a little bit because these are people who don't know you and they don't know your boundaries and Mm. in fact they don't actually understand the boundaries of many marginalized folks um and they're learning. And so like, you have to like prepare for the learning uh, curves of different folks. And so that means it feels like I have to find a clever, a more clever way to like address certain things than directly stating. So I, but I don't know if that's costing anything anymore. I feel like if anything, I feel like I'm, I'm getting things at this point, a sense of self, a sense of like space that I can take up. I, I know my boundaries better and stuff. So yeah, in the beginning, I do think it costs, it costs a bit. Um, And now I feel like it's just costing me some, some of my more naive tendencies. I, I tend to be, I, I like to think of myself as a realist, but I think I'm an optimist, uh, a closeted one. And, <laughs> and so, so some of that is, I, I think it, it has cost quite a bit of that. For me, I discovered um, in this process that the cost to be in this conversation from a, a white man's point of view is really is discomfort that's it that's it and sometimes it's deep levels of discomfort um but that's all it is it's the the way that you know when marcella says you know i'm already vulnerable out in the world and so to come to this table and be vulnerable here is a ridiculous thing to ask you know and that's that's a perspective that um puts my, you know, whatever the costs are for me in, in, um, 
in juxtaposition in a way, right? Here's, here's my friend who's going through a very different experience in the world. And so, I mean, I, I know that going into this process, but, but to, to really own that is a different thing. So the cost, I guess, is each night is like, as we toggle in these, in these conversations, as people do toggle between the monolithic black experience and the monolithic white experience or the, you know, and then the personal uh, actual person's experience, right? The complexity and nuance of that. Um, it gets tricky because I, I definitely, the discomfort I feel in the show is when I am representing as a white person, the white person or like the, the you know, the insensitive white man who doesn't really take in the experience uh, of the black person across the table from him. Um, that gets, that gets tough to do, but I also know that, um, I am safe with Marcella, that we've worked out the boundaries of that, that the way that it's, it's done, the way that it's written is something that I, Marcella is prepared for. And I'm not causing harm by doing that, but I don't know that about the people in the audience, the people of color in the audience. And so I, it makes me feel vulnerable, but I, I think it's a necessary part. I can't like not interested in a white savior uh, posture in this show. It really, if I'm modeling anything for the white people in the audience, it's a, it's a place of vulnerability. It's a place of discomfort that, and I stay in the conversation. If there is an agenda in terms of those, those ideas, you know, monolithic whiteness and, and blackness. Um, but again, I, you know, I, from, from the, you know, when I started talking about this, it's, um, it's been life-changing and, and, and has, it's only added to my understanding of myself and understanding of, of these ideas and my understanding of, and deep love and respect for Marcella. So those are all huge ads, pluses. Yeah. I, I point to like our, our shift between like, Marcella and David as these other folks and then Marcella and David as like part of this this dance we're trying to do where like we we want to model like the arc these archetypes of like within these conversations that seem to happen over and over and over while also pointing to two people genuinely trying to figure out how do you do it if the only way we've been shown on a large scale is this way, like how do you genuinely connect? And part of that, it leads to the process of like that checking in, like the last piece in the play changed for me after the pandemic um because when I first wrote it this conversation um it's a conversation of a with a poem written by Langston Hughes and and it's this idea that one day America's gonna wake up and like be ashamed that they didn't appreciate all of his beautiful black self and when I wrote it, it was like before the pandemic and I was starting to, 
there was this little bit of like effort towards like diversity and equity and inclusion and but not to the level that happened after 2020 I was just like kind of kind of getting the grasp like getting a grasp of like what the lay of the land was and what it means to like have a boundary of not sharing so much. And then summer of 2020, how I felt like it had already been said to, to, to don't ask your black friends to teach you about racism. I felt like it had already been said and kind of, you know, parroted it back by white allies. Um, but summer of 2020, like that had to be a very firm, loud conversation again. Like, and everywhere <laughs> black folks are like, I'm tired. I can't teach yeah. all of you. I can't just keep, t- like, I did tell you that these things happened in my life. I did tell you, you didn't believe me or you didn't take it seriously or it got awkward for you and you ended the conversation. Um, and so I, coming back to it after all of that was like, oh, I have to be specific about who I'm talking to in this moment or it will be damaging. Like, like if I'm not talking to Black people when I give that piece, when I say those words, I, then I don't know why I would say that say that like I have to be talking to black people about saying I'm not going to share so much anymore I don't buy into the take like the trying to sit at the table in that way I think they should Mm -hmm. find something else to sit around in decision making I like the room shouldn't be what it is anymore it should be different before they invite me into it or they should have plans that they want to make something different before they invite me into it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a, it, it's working against itself if I'm not, because a lot of the audiences are going to be majority white. I think it's, it, it, you have to like kind of make it clear. Like this is a moment even if your outreach isn't what it should be, this is a moment for the five black folks you invited here today. Um, and Julius, who's on stage, is of course pointing to that of like, this is a conversation between the two of us in quiet time um, on the spaceship. And that's the thing I'm not sure I would have clocked before. This conversation has like, seen me grow in an awareness of that sort of thing, which I'm very grateful for. That was like, oh, I remember talking. I was like, oh, I need to take a moment. Then I need to talk to David. <laughs> Cause I think, I, I think it was just like, when I wrote that, it was just to like, I was just saying something like a thing that I had learned. It's like giving a book report in the third mm-hmm. grade. It's, it's a different thing now. It's really interesting. 
David, similarly, are there any portions of the show that between, well, the first time you created it, staged it, and then post-2020, are there any specific changes that you've made that have to do with, you know, your own growth concerning these these conversations? Yeah, um, I think I always toggle a little bit or play a little bit with with how I answer the repeated question, when was the first time you realized you were white? Mm-hmm. Um so that I, I feel clearer about what aspect of that question I'm answering and how I'm answering it, right? Even though I fail to, to answer it to, to what Marcel is asking, I'm, what I'm trying to do is I'm revealing um, a growing and evolving understanding of the impact of whiteness which is not something, right? When I was growing up, the language in, in the family and around family friends was everybody's equal. Don't notice race, which is impossible, but that's what we were, that was the language. That was what was considered, you know, doing the right thing. Uh, and and yet, you know, I kept hanging out with <laughs> the black kids because there was a whole different thing going on there that I was attracted to, which is in part partly the dancing um, and and the music. Uh, and um, but there was also a very different culture uh, that I was curious about. So I guess for me, since since 2020, I mean, um, in you know, when we were making Primer. Uh, that summer, I mean, I think it was June when every single theater sent out an email, mm-hmm. you know, we stand in, you know, sympathy and in, you know, we are standing with our black brothers and sisters in this struggle, like all of that kind of language. We, we, uh, we are, you know, um, our history shows that we have not done the best thing, you know, like all of that kind of, and they try to do the whole thing in one email. Right. And, and, while I understand, like, clearly I'm part of that. I understand the impulse of that. I understand, like, the training of, like, how to be, like, I'm standing up for, you know, I'm in allyship and I'm trying to do the right thing and I'm saying it in language and here it is out in the world. It was amazing how similar they were. The structure of the emails, the language used. So I collected all of them and then I just did a bunch of, like, find searches and wrote a version, an amalgamation of all of them, and tr- and tried it as a monologue of someone like someone in some theater department, a professor, a white professor in a theater department, <laughs> who's trying to come up with this, the right statement. Um, why did I bring that up? In, in other words, I think the thing that I've learned is is actually revealing process, thought process gives nuance to the to the part of the white experience, you know, the fragile parts, the parts that are reactive, the parts that don't understand the black experience or, or what we're actually trying to get at, right? Um, uh, and giving that a more nuanced view um, because in a weird way, I'm, I'm, I mean, certainly I'm, I'm going to be a little bit sympathetic to someone who's like just grown up with completely racist ideology hidden in, you know, EDI language or right? Um, or politeness, right? Midwestern politeness or what have you. And, and actually all of that racist stuff is, is sublimated. And, and when that stuff is faced, it, it's, I think it's, 
uh, not to speak monolithically, but to a certain extent, I think it's a profound, it's like an earthquake. I think you, you saw that in the white community. You saw them go, wait, what? Right? It took videos of cops killing black people like that as the proof. That's and that's a that's yet another shameful aspect of this from from, from in, in terms of seeing it as white ignorance, right? Like it took that, it took that. Um, uh, one could go on and on, but in any case, I think it's I think for me, the thing that I'm taking away is to look at my process even more carefully, uh, the places where um, I'm not sensitive to the impact of Marcella when asking her questions about her experience to the places where I'm not listening to my own needs to, to actually be in the moment of discomfort and say, I don't know how to proceed right now and let that be the thing. I mean, it feels awful because I want to solve problems. I'm an, I'm an oldest child. I am like the family therapist. I am, I'm like, come on, let's fucking, let's get this, let's get this right. We can do it. We're smart. We care about each other. Let's fucking do this. And it's the, well, easier to have those aspirations than, than to actually go through it. So going through it, I think going through it is, is what I land on. I'm thinking about the choreography, the the dance breaks, and how I think previously you said that um, including that, although I'm assuming the movement was always going to be there, what it signified within uh, the terms of the story and how you're trying to move forward through this conversation, even as it became more more difficult or stressful, could you talk a little bit more about that? I think I can jump in and say that I don't know that the dance breaks um, function in the way that, like moving the narrative forward in a very intentional way, except that it's another way of having a conversation. It's another way of working together we both mention rhythm and dancing in our in recounting some of our our stories growing up, and so I felt like it was okay to 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 do that. I think also part of it, right, Marcella? We we were just like sitting down for so fucking long. We just felt like everyone was giving us feedback. Like I remember Chris Green going, "You guys got to stand up." Yeah, <laughs> there was there was a moment where David was like is it hard because this is the work and we should just never get up or is it hard because we should try something else? And I remember having like a little moment of fear. I was like, I think David Newman has to dance. Like, I don't think we can make that. Piece. Um, that sounds, Oh my God. But obviously like or it organically led to that moment. But I do remember David asking that question in the room and me being like, maybe I'm that sounds scary. Um, I respected him being willing to like as this person who's like a wonderful choreographer and beautiful and well-loved dancer, I I respected his his willingness to ask that question. But there was a moment, yeah, there was a moment, I sheer terror. But yeah, after a while, it became clear of like, it isn't staying in it. It's actually like 
there's a point where if you don't get up, it feels stagnant rather than digging in mm-hmm. and digging yeah. more. It actually feels like you're stuck. I think that is actually a part of the fear people have in this conversation of being stuck with someone who they aren't sure whether that person hates their guts or not after the things they've said in the conversation. And that's not what it is for us, nor is it the impression that we want to give, nor is it how we want to feel. Um, Even when it's been difficult, the moments of silence or us making each other laugh or telling a different story have always like carried us and reminded us that um, that it's gonna be okay. <laughs> we don't know the answer, but it's gonna be okay. We can't continue sitting with each other. There's something too about just being able to be physical and enjoy music together that that like changes the thing. Like my, my, you know, I, I think I recount partly in the, in, in the piece that my mom had a lot of calypso and reggae and, and brought that into the house. And we would do that and just like spontaneously dance together. It wasn't like, and it wasn't all the time, but like we just did it. And, at the, you know, my parents weren't like dancers at all. <laughs> you know, they didn't even could barely hold a beat, but they were just kind of, we were just like kind of grouped together. And I thought, you know, that, that there's something that says, it says something about a community that can do that, right? That that is comfortable doing that. And then I remember an anecdote. One of one of the people who who come in, come through the process and helped us, uh, who was also a, a, a previously an alum, a grad student at Sir Lawrence, said that her favorite moment was when Julius and Marcella danced together. She's like, you know, when the black folk are dancing together, she's like, ah. <laughs> like she had that feeling. I didn't that I didn't know that that was going to happen, and and. Uh, uh, very happy to do that. We knew that we were going to like dance with each other in various configurations and duets, but yeah. Can we change the space, you know, mm-hmm. take, take the white, white gaze away as much as possible. So it's just, just people in a room, you know? Yeah. I, I talk about my discomfort growing up dancing in front of people in the piece. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Marcel, would you like to dance in front of people? <laughs> yeah, well, it's one of those things where I was like, I'm getting a I'm, I'm going. Well, no, it was a, it was like a. I was like, ah, okay, um, but it's actually it it feels like another way of pointing to the journey that I'm on, which is like comfort in my body as well as comfort taking up space. I feel like. However I dance, I deserve to dance. And so doing it in this piece feels like it's pertinent. Um, like it always feels like it's coming at the right place in the, in the show for me of, of this character uh, giving <sighs> science lectures. And so it, it feels like... Uh, taking up space and then and also I'm I'm willing to dance because you know dance is it's the way we communicate it's a way that we heal it's a way that we do a lot of things and so seeing the character Marcella as well as the actual human being Marcella dance I feel 
It feels important. It's actually, it actually has changed the, the work that I make after or, or alongside businesses, the other work that I do. It's changed a lot mm-hmm. about how I think of myself. To wrap up, could you each talk about um, one aspect of the piece, either performing it most recently for some students or the the first time you put it up, what you are particularly proud of? I think I'm proud that it still makes sense to do, Mm. even as we put this piece up, what, a month and a half before the pandemic shut everything down. And... I think we say it so much that it sometimes it loses meaning, but we really did like everything changed. Um, How, how present certain issues are to the start, like some, some things aren't sublimated anymore. They just are like Mm. present and in our face in real violent or real and, and pressing ways. And so that this piece still makes sense to do, I think I'm proud of that. I would say that I think a, a recent a, more, a recent thing is the like our first attempt at this new ending that Marcella was talking about, and finding a way just in like the language of who is where on stage that it feels like we really began to crack open a natural way for Marcella to have space, the space that she needs and, and, and addressing the audience in the way that she, she needs. I mean, it's a first crack at it. So, so, you know, Marcella at one point, I think she, she said, called my name. She said, David, the way that she does, she directed me to sit in the chair in the side of the stage. And, and instead of it being like, the white guy who's like, well, I don't understand what, you know, like going through that again, that pattern again, just sitting there. Like, hopefully there's a, there's just a different, slightly different feel to how things unfold. And so that for me is like, it opened a door into how to enable more of that. And certainly that's, that's a goal in the, in the third piece in the trilogies. So how do we, how do we start there? And so that's, that's exciting. That, that feels I was very happy that we found that. Thank you both for for working on this piece. Thank you for your vulnerability and your time. I am just very glad that this is something that exists in the world and that it's something that I was able to see. Thank you, Chisong. Thank you, Chisong. I appreciate it. The Performance Lab podcast was brought to you by Contemporary Performance Network. In association with the Sarah Lawrence College Theater MFA program. For more information, please visit our websites at www.contemporaryperformance.com or www.slctheater.com.